You're listening to episode 64 of GameSpot After Dark. This week we're joined by Surreal Vasquez to talk about Amnesia Rebirth, Hades, and Phasmophobia. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of GameSpot After Dark. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and joining me this week is Lucy James. Aya. Callie Plaguey. Hello. And Surreal Vasquez. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Uh, before we get into what we've been playing, we'd like to do the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. Chris. That's our little song. Uh, so basically, this is just an opportunity for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what kind of games you like to play, what games you come back to, uh, what are some of your favorite games. In fact, it doesn't even have to be about games if there's other stuff you want to talk about. Uh, and maybe a little bit about how you got into the industry and whatnot. Yeah, so I, I've been kind of writing f- uh, kind of back and forth. Uh, I, I was a uh, former gaming former associate editor, um, but I've been doing, you know, freelance basically before and after just writing about, you know, random video games. Uh, but a lot of it is just like, um, I end up falling down like a lot of fighting game and Dota stuff because I a lot of people weren't covering that at the time. So, uh, you know, I have like, almost 4,000 hours of Dota uh, logged at this point. So oh uh, I that was mostly what launched my career in a way because it, it was no one was writing about Dota and it was like kind of a lot of people saw it as, oh, you know, esports, right? You can write about esports. That's popular. So uh, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Um, so yeah, then, then I started writing about fighting games as well. Um, but it, I'm more mostly like an action heavy kind of guy. But uh, it's also weird because like every once in a while I'll sneak in like a really cool like story-based game. Like right now, I think uh, Kentucky Route Zero is probably my favorite game this year. Um, and then uh, so every once in a while and like this school is I really like last year. So it's yeah. kind of a mix between like really like really intense games. I like games that are like all about story or all about action in a way. Um, so that's sort of where I'm at. Like a lot of Dark Souls stuff I'm really into. So uh, that's sort of where I'm at. Well, this is a Disco Elysium podcast i would say <laughs> at least it was last year because yeah. that's like all we talked about every episode yeah that game's great i, lo- I love it you, you're also uh, a frequent host on midmax too right yeah yeah i do i podcast over at midmax so we do a, a podcast every week and we do some streams as well so uh, i talk about games on there as well uh, so you can find me there at uh, youtube.com slash midmax show i believe is the url or to support us on Patreon because we're an independent media. So patreon.com slash minmax, I believe, is the URL. Hell yeah. And you've been doing some reviews for us, which we'll touch on later yeah. in the what we've been playing section. Actually, why don't we just start with you? What you've what have you been playing, Surreal? Yeah, so I'm still playing Hades. Uh, uh, <laughs> several weeks later, I'm at, I'm at a... Well, the, the Epic Game Store thing doesn't count hours directly. It just says days. And I'm at like five days worth of, of oh, play time. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, because like... Like, I think that game does such a fantastic job of doling out rewards and having all these like uh, quests, basically. Like they're called prophecies where it's like, oh, do like get every boot, every like upgrade for every weapon, you know, every randomized buff that you can get. And so I've been kind of picking away at those and some of the relationships um, with like the different gods and stuff are um, take a little while to figure out. Uh, so I've been I've been doing a lot of that. And there's also like the heat system, which if you've played um, Slay the Spire is kind of similar where you can apply different kind of difficulty modifiers. And so, and that applies like one heat per modifier. And so I'm at like around 15, 16 heat at this point with each of the weapons. 
Um, and so I've been kind of slowly built, making the runs harder and harder and, and still, you know, getting upgrades and stuff. So that game has a long tail uh, for a single yeah. player game, which I'm really excited about. It seems like it. People are so into it on Twitter. I haven't yeah. had a chance to play as much as I'd like, but what I played was very, very good. Uh, you mentioned that Kentucky Route Zero was your favorite game so far this year. However, it sounds like you've played a ton of Hades. Yeah. Are they like pretty neck and neck, you'd say? Yeah, I I, I, os- I oscillate between like which one I like more because uh, clearly I have more time in Hades, but it's, you know, uh, Kentucky Route Zero is not a long tail game. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just like, you know... Uh, uh, play that over and over again but i am considering i i've played it basically one and a half times at this point because i played the episodes as they came out until episode four of kentucky route zero and then i played the whole game again when it came out on switch and i'm kind of thinking about okay uh am i just kind of applying like roast tinted glasses to that game because i it hit me in a really good moment it was like right before the pandemic so it was like kind of like the last like i really enjoy that i'm really happy right now i'm having a lot of fun uh because i was also like um i went to japan earlier this year and that was like on the edges of that where i played it before and after my trip so i was like oh, i was kind of maybe on the high of of going you know traveling abroad uh so i do want to play it again but that, that game i think still is incredible i love it totally i didn't finish it i still plan on going back and finishing it but the music was so good yeah and it's it, it was so fun to see uh i guess the the fictional band in that game Junebug, ended up releasing a an album uh i think Aww. earlier this month i think uh oh, where really? they yeah and the single was like the big song that they have in the game but they also had a bunch of other like weird ambient songs that's that that game is a lot of ambient music that is really good but mm-hmm. they they had like a whole music video for for like one of their songs uh because i think part of it is that like they're this weird concept group um but yeah i've, I've been in, like that that music i've been enjoying all year you know in a way mm-hmm. which is maybe the closest thing to like having played 100 hours of hades mm-hmm. is uh, i've been listening and thinking about kentucky route zero basically all year i am going to listen to that album after this podcast for sure because i remember playing it and there's that one scene early on where you're i think exploring a house or something like that and the mm-hmm. camera zooms out and there's that band playing yeah that i thought was just like an incredible moment yeah so like the soundtrack is on spotify and then the the junebug ep is on Bandcamp, so you can listen to both of those basically nice, nice. and then you said you've also been playing a bit of amnesia too right yeah, the the new one, the uh, Rebirth, um, which came out, the, I believe, this week, right? Uh, yeah. Which, I, yeah, I've been enjoying that as well. Uh, I, I've been a big fan of Frictional. I, I liked Amnesia, um, and then I really liked Soma. I think Soma is amazing. I, I think it's one one of my favorite sci-fi stories in games because of the way that it uses um, gameplay, basically, uh, to tell like an AI-centric story about like consciousness and things like that. Um, and this feels very similar in tone in, in that there are monsters and stuff, but kind of the, the key takeaways, it are like story beats of like, you know, uh, you are this person who's crash landed in the middle of Africa and you're trying to find your way to your group. Um, but you know, there, there's this mystical element to it. Um, but you're also, you find out very early on. So I don't think this is like a spoiler or anything that you're, that you're pregnant. Uh, and so you're. Like it's a game about motherhood very explicitly, which is mm. which is pretty rare. Um, and like I, I think it ends up leading you to these very interesting like moral quandaries about, okay, well, if you were in this situation, what would you do? And it's it's like one of the legitimately like, well, uh, I feel like the right answer is this, but you know, if I were actually in this in this situation, I would maybe lean towards the kind of like the the less, you know, altruistic option. Um, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of interesting questions that it asks. I don't think it's as good as some, I think some of the monstery parts aren't as interesting 
And I'm kind of surprised that they don't um, have the what they added to Soma post launch, which was like the oh, the, like it basically gets rid of the monsters. Like they're still walking around, but you can't uh, you can't like interact. Like they won't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised that isn't here, but maybe they'll add it at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I was really impressed with it, uh, and I'm I'm, gl- I'm glad to see that Frictional is able to do games like this. So, would you consider Amnesia a sad mom game? A little. I mean, it's it's the the opening uh, scenes of that game are just her talking about like vaguely like you don't know what it's referring to about like how kind of you know um, this thing like some event has ended up hurting her like very deeply and how you don't ever really recover you just kind of change as a person um and that, that felt pretty relatable i know that there's kind of a trope of like whenever a, a game is about women it's always about their trauma but this mm-hmm. feels a, this feels like it's approaching that topic with some nuance and her being the main character i think also helps a lot and she she's like a voice character it's not like you are this person it is she has a lot of voice uh voice lines in the game which i don't know if it's going to I, I know some people don't like that, but I, I like it when I'm playing someone who is different and I'm kind of seeing the world through their eyes versus this person is me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely prefer voice protagonists. In our in our Amnesia Rebirth review, Phil Hornshaw did call it a mom game. Um, he said it was unabashedly a mom game. Yeah. I was like, sold, because you really don't get a lot of those. You really, I've played plenty of dad games. Um, so I'm very curious. I haven't played the previous Amnesia games though, or Soma. Yeah. Actually, I kind of want to play Soma now after hearing you talk about it. Yeah, like I, you don't, you really only need to play the Dark Descent to play Rebirth. Uh, like there are some uh, kind of references, but even then, if if you haven't played Amnesia, I think the game just does a good job of being set in that world without kind of being about the stuff that happened. It's just like, oh, you'll catch a reference in like a diary to a character from the Dark Descent. Uh, but I don't think you need to play it. But yeah, that's the only one because a, a machine for pigs isn't like relevant to the story. It, it's kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. But I, and, and Soma is pretty standalone. Wasn't Machine for Pigs also not developed by Frictional Games, or at least not the core team that did Soma and and yeah. the original Amnesia? I believe it was written by the Chinese Room, which who did uh, Dear Esther. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think all like all of those games. I think like for, starting with Amnesia, because I know they made like uh, Penumbra. I think was the games they made uh, before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played those, but starting from Amnesia, I think Frictional has a pretty strong re- uh, track record. So I think all of their games are pretty good. Nice. I definitely want to check it out. I have not finished any of those games. Uh, however, I've enjoyed all of them. Yeah. Uh, but but Soma in particular is one that I've been meaning to get back to and finish because. That setting I thought was excellent. I mean, they're always good at creating dark mm-hmm. and scary uh, atmospheres. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to check it out. Lucy, you've been watching more Bake Off. How's that going? Bake Off remains the light of 2020. That's how that's going. Um, I mean, I was gonna say like the only game I've been playing is um, I played 20 something hours of Persona 5 Royal in a week um hell yeah i'm in like well it's because now it's all new stuff for me yeah like, wow so How, what I'm, what hour are you at i guess like when did the new stuff start rolling out because i'm curious when that'll be so i'm at 55 hours i got okay. to the broken there is a there is a fight in that game that is fully broken and like the only way to get past it is uh you have to play it on merciless difficulty so really? i was like i was the the perfect level for this boss fight like i was the same level as the boss which usually for the rest of royal is completely fine you can actually do stuff mostly being under leveled uh but this boss fight 
uh, requires you to knock down like four enemies in one go, in one turn. And if you don't, no, in two turns, sorry. And if you don't do that, then the enemies that are left run away and then it starts again. So you can get caught in this loop if you... If you don't like, whip out a Mabufu. It's a, a mar- Margarula. Oh. You don't have wind. Um, and so even though I had Morgana in my party, even though I had um, Joker with a wind persona, like it just didn't. Because it, it's meant to be the, the fight that promotes you using Baton Pass. Um, and the only way to do it is to do Unmerciless Difficulty if you get in that weird stuck loop that I was in. And I was, so I did that and I was like, that's a bit shit. But so I'm at 55 hours now. I'm still at the, like, it's it's still a palace from the main game, but they've, the introduction of all the new characters, I've just had a new sequence with a school dance that maybe wasn't done as ele- as uh, elegantly as I'd hoped, because it's meant to be like this, this part in the story that you go with the new character, um, Kasumi. And so she invites you to go to this dance and then you're like, oh, the dance is finished. I better go home. And then you get a text from Haru that says, hey, the dance has just started. Let's go. <laughs> oh, weird. Um, but still very good. But Bake Off. Oh, I also played some of Ghost of Tsushima Legends, which is very fun. Um, did you play co-op. with a friend of the podcast, Andrew Goldfarb? I did not. Oh. Uh, I played with a friend of the podcast, Zach Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Kristen Vandier and Josh Du. Uh, we did we did a couple, and it's really fun. And also, I'm not one for a Destiny-type loot grind, but the way that... The, it, it's a very similar approach in Ghost, but I found it very, very fun. Um, I'm obviously maining an archer, because that is my... Yeah. Uh, but Bake Off, very quick one. Bake Off update. This is your Bake Off minute. Um... Jesus Christ. Uh, the first, the first, so I'm not going to spoil who went or anything, but the fact that the first um, challenge from last week was making brownies and every single one of them biffed it. Really? Like, every single one of them biffed it. Because um, they all tried to go like way too complicated with it. They could have just done standard brownies and it would have been fine. Um, some of them were undercooked. One of them had figs on, which looked interesting. Um, I've become a real backseat baker. Bit, bit stodgy, bit stodgy, mm. bit. Uh, one of them was just fully undercooked. It just looked like liquid. Was the person who put figs? Is that how they biffed it? They said no figs and brownies under no circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, well, that wasn't even a biff. It was just I think I can't remember for theirs. Did they do gluten free? That's the gluten. The, it's the gluten free guy. And so my um, I used to live with someone who was gluten free, and gluten-free flour is just really difficult to work with um because it's obviously doesn't have gluten in it so it's like like some of the stuff is frequently quite dry you have to really adapt your cooking to Mm -hmm. make up for the dryness of it um i'm speaking i'm talking out my ass because i'm a terrible cook but that's all my experience with gluten-free but no bake-off was really good and also uh, i mean my picks are the two marks i love i love the marks mark with a c who is a carer and in my eyes, an S-rank human being, uh, and Mark uh, with a K, who is like just bizarrely well traveled. Like he is a very international man. Anyway, Bake Off mystery. Great. No, he's just okay. Quite... <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's not very mysterious. He just like 
knows stuff about like tribes in Africa and brings that into his cooking and stuff. It's very good. Oh. Anyway, that's Bake Off. <laughs> well, Callie and I have both been playing a lot of Phasmophobia with Matt Paget and the 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 great Peter Brown. Oh, yes, I miss that boy. It has been quite the time. Have we talked about Phasmophobia on the podcast yet? We haven't. We haven't. I'm excited to talk about it because I have been having a ton of fun with it. It's janky. It's buggy. It makes a lot of people sick as well. Including me. Including Lucy. But there's something about it. We should say it's an early access, so the, the jankiness is par for the course. But yeah, the um, I've gotten pretty motion sick playing. We were playing the other night and I died and I when you die you go into like ghost world and you can walk around and like see stuff and sometimes you can see the ghost that's haunting you but you can't like interact with your team if you're using like in-game chat um and so I was just walking around ghost world and then after we finished that game I was like guys I need to go (laughs) I don't I can't do this and I was at a commission for like half an hour I had to lie down um and then I rejoined and it was like Peter's last game. And I was like, well, nice playing with you for one game. I'm ready to play again. I guess we should talk about what phasmophobia is for the people listening. Oh, who yeah. may not know, but it's basically a ghost hunting game, except you don't really hunt the ghost. You just need to figure out what ghost is haunting the building that you're infiltrating, I guess. And you have a, you have a bunch of tools that you can use to help you find clues. Once you find three clues, you mark them in your journal and you'll know what ghost it is. And then you leave and get paid and you can level up, buy new gear and so on. Uh, it, I think what makes it so good is how well it works with friends and how the scares are pretty unpredictable. I won't say it's the scariest game I've played. It's probably nowhere near that just because it's kind of cheesy and it gets away with like a lot of jump scares and stuff. But the way it works with the team and the way it's so unpredictable makes it incredibly addicting. Yeah. The like, we've definitely gotten scared. So, like totally. Basically yeah. You, you spend like the first like five or 10 minutes, like setting up, like setting up a camera so you can view stuff or like sweeping the house because you have all these tools that it, it's really interesting the way the tools work. It's not really like in a video game sense, like the tools that you have just kind of work the way they would in real life. So there's like a remote that's like an EMF reader and it reads like EMF traces and you just walk around the house until it beeps and you're like, the ghost is nearby. And that's when you start setting up your, your gear. And it's like <laughs> Matt Paget was like, he and I watched the conjuring together over like zoom or well discord because he had never seen it and I love the conjuring. So I was like, let's watch it. So when phasmophobia like started getting attention, he was like, Callie, we're going to play Ed and Lorraine Warren and we're going to hunt some ghosts. <laughs> so I like setting up the camera cause it's like in the conjuring. Yeah. Um, but like last night, like just to, cause it, like Jake said, like some of the, the ghosts look kind of like cheesy or whatever, but the way the hauntings happen is what gets really exciting. Like, we were just waiting around. We were in this house and we had had a really hard night, like not telling, we were like having a really hard time telling what ghosts were around. We were not getting evidence very easily. We're playing on harder difficulties than we usually do. And I was just getting impatient and everybody else was in the truck outside the house. So they're like safe. And I was like, I'm just going to go in 
and see if I can get anything. And like the second I came in, the door locks behind me and I see the ghost walking and I was trying to get photos of it. So I'm like snapping photos and like shaking and I can hear Matt Paget outside being like, Callie, hide in the closet, hide in the closet. It's coming. So I ran to the closet and I just, I turned my flashlight off and I sat there and like, they're waiting outside. They can't tell if I've died or not because walkie talkies don't work when this is happening. So they're just like <laughs> waiting outside. Like maybe Kelly's dead. Maybe she's dead. And I'm sitting in the closet. Like, oh God, I can hear it moving outside. And so, but it was just like this weird, it looked like a, a thing made of like Play-Doh or something. Like it was just like, this, <laughs> yeah, it was like that little child looking ghost, it was wasn't like a it? Tiny little baby ghost walking around, but like the atmosphere of it all and like everybody freaking out and I can hear them through the walls being like don't move Callie and um so that that makes it like really fun and exciting and then I also I tweeted about this but I I laughed and Matt was like oh my god did you guys hear that it's a ghost and I was like no that's just me that's just me because I have a witch laugh (laughs) to be fair it was because the how the proximity chat works and just how proximity chat works like we were very far uh, and, and Callie had laughed, but they were so far away that they just heard a faint laugh in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing. So I played on Sunday with Tam and uh, our friend Andy. And we were just in Discord, so we didn't have the proximity stuff going on because it was my first game. And I had the little radio, I think. It- oh, no, the spirit box. Yeah. Jean-Luc so, won't use that. When he we won't play with use Jean-Luc, it. he won't take it. <laughs> so he, it I, scares him too much. <laughs> first of all, it's my first game and I am given this. And then there's a point where I, I had to play, like I turned all of my lights off. I closed my blinds. I did the full thing. Um, and then we get to a bit, we're near a piano. Someone starts talking through the thing and they go, oh, okay, well, in order to do this, uh, Lucy, we're going to have to leave you in here with all the lights off by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> <laughs> they leave and i i don't even know what it was but it spooked me so bad i was like guys i, I want to leave how do i run and they're like oh shift or whatever and i was like it's barely the shift, the shift yeah. it does nothing it does <laughs> barely nothing. anything it's just a power walk the, yeah. the spirit box is so like for context it's like a way to like channel the spirit and it's one of the tools you use to get evidence and yeah the person who uses it has to be alone in the room with all the lights <laughs> off and you have to go like can you hear us we're your friends give us a sign and then the ghost will like play the piano or something yeah. and you're like by yourself <laughs> Or it'll just say kill on the, on the speaker and it's like, there it is, there it is. And everyone hears it too. And they're like, we heard it, we heard it. Put it in your journal, put it in your journal. Let's get out of here. Yeah, the the it only says like one word through the spirit box and it's always like attack. Like in this like horrible like robot voice. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having a blast with that game. I'm curious to see how long I'll stick with it because I think Steam already says I've played 20 hours which is far more than I already expected Damn. yeah we started playing last week I know (laughs) I've been playing a lot but uh like I'm excited to see what they do with it because I feel like there should be more tools that give you evidence especially on the tougher difficulties because there are a lot of tools you can buy that kind of don't really serve much of a purpose apart from just giving you more information about where the ghost might be. And then I also am eagerly awaiting more maps because we've played them all by now at least six or seven times. And and it works because the ghost is always in a different room. You're dealing with a different ghost. Like it's still pretty unpredictable, but like loading into that cabin for like the 20th time is like, 
all right i i know how this cabin works i've i've explored it i i know where to go i know where to hide and it kind of takes some of the edge off i would say which which you know is not what i want in a horror game yeah uh, he- hearing people talk about phasmophobia is is kind of cool because like I, it feels like this weird emergent uh horror game where everyone's kind of making their own scares it kind of it also mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of the uh the the vine where they're talking about like where they're all around a Ouija board and they're like what's your name and it slides over to yes and everyone starts fighting each other because like I guess they just yeah yeah that's one of my like all-time favorite vines I love that vine so much um there are Ouija boards in this game but you Mm -hmm. don't bring them with you sometimes you find them in the house we actually had a horrific time with one of the Ouija boards because there's like a sanity meter in Phasmophobia and like using it drops your sanity like really rapidly and like unless it's a demon unless it's a demon but the lower your sanity gets like the more the ghost will like bother you um but we were like over the Ouija board and it was like in this weird it was just like in a laundry room. So we're all crowded around this Ouija board in like a really small room. And we're like, how old are you? And it goes to four, it's 14. And we were like, Oh God. And then <laughs> Matt asks, where are you? And it spells out foyer. And Jake's like, where is that? All the, all the boys are like, where is that? Where's that? I was like the entrance of the house. <laughs> like, What's a foyer? What would you do without me? Um, but the, the ghost showed up like in the laundry room and we all were like, get out of here. Oh God. Um, so yeah, just in conclusion, it's a lot of fun and I enjoy it a lot. And I like proximity chat because it's push to talk. So you guys can't hear my horrible horse noise that I make when I get scared. <laughs> One other thing I do want to mention is that the the character animations are kind of busted and that like when you look down, your whole torso goes down and when you look up, your whole, whole torso goes back. And it is it, it might be one of the scariest things in the game, but it is it makes for some good laughs. Like if you look up and crouch, I don't know, it, oh. at the very least, like if you're too afraid to play it, load it up with a friend and just look at that because it is. Some yeah we like yeah. tease each other like we're the girl from the exorcist going down the stairs um <laughs> oh another thing that we should mention is that the tutorial's horrible the tutorial is so bad we couldn't figure mm-hmm. it out like like just be patient if you're playing it for the first time like go through this tutorial because it does introduce you to like the key tools but like it's not gonna it's not great you're just gonna have to do some trial and error <laughs> Yeah, I do have a video that I'm working on that should hopefully help you out on that end. But and I worked on the see. article version. And Callie worked on the article, which is that up now? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, check that out if you want to if you want to give it a shot because that will help a lot. The last thing I wanted to mention is that the Pokemon the second DLC for Sword and Shield Crown Tundra is out today as of this recording, so I'm going to be playing that and checking that out as as you might have expected of me. Um so you like I'll have Pokemon <laughs> i'll have more information on that later <laughs> all right well, with that we'll head on to topics and moving on to topics for this week the first one that we're going to talk about is aoc streams among us callie you were very excited you watched a lot of it i watched a good amount too but you were very into it i yeah i like almost didn't watch it i was kind of like because I've been so disillusioned with everything and just sad all the time. And I was kind of like, uh, what if I just didn't? And then um, I was like, no, 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 I'll watch it. I'll give it a shot. And I actually found her really like 
genuine and charming. Not that like I didn't think she would be, but like I was more delighted by it than I thought I would be. It was kind of like, oh, a, a politician who actually like who isn't doing this just as a ploy, but like actually understands this world more than most. And um, Michael Hyam wrote a really good article about this. Like, you know, it's not something that I would want to see basically any other politician do, um, but it works for her because, I mean, she's established that she is interested in video games. She's talked about playing league. Um, Donkey Kong 64. With Yeah. With H bomber <laughs> guy. Um, so it just felt like a natural extension of that. She also does a lot of stuff on Instagram live. And so that's very streaming adjacent. Um, and I just like, it, it, it was like the first time in a really long time where I was like, oh my God, I think this is what it's like to not have depression. <laughs> <laughs> I was like really just really psyched and like having a great time. And when she was like, I hate being the imposter. I don't want to be the imposter. I was like, that's me. And then she got the imposter and I was like, no, like I was just, I was like right there with her the whole time. Like, no girl, you can do it. She's playing with all these people who have a ton of experience in the game. I also was very delighted by Ilhan Omar, like being like, I don't know how to play. And then like subsequently killing like everybody. Um, that rig as well. God the damn. rig she was using. So <laughs> there was some confusion about that. It wasn't actually, it's not her PC. It's for her or like communications directors, I think. Um, but posting the specs, I was like, that PC is like, leagues ahead of my pc i need a new one um and it was also really cool like when her daughter joined because her daughter like knew what the fuck was up um and when corpse joined that was like a whole thing i didn't oh, i good Lord. was not ready for good that Lord. When no he, one's ready for that when he called he called a meeting and he was like aoc like in his super deep voice and she was like what i didn't do anything and he's like how's your day and everybody was just like, okay, I, I just, oh, it was so nice to feel joy for once. I really, <laughs> I really can't emphasize enough. Like it was just kind of, it, it was like, wow, somebody who kind of understands the world that I'm in. Not that I'm like, we need a gamer president, but like just. <laughs> he's, he's already running. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't. I, yeah. Ace Watkins or whatever. Um, Yeah. Like that's, that's not what I mean. I just mean like, like this is someone who can like say what she feels. The whole point was like to talk about voting. She was like making fun of the like combustion engine on the ship, which like I had never thought about, but I liked that a lot. She had like her green new deal posters in the background. I just found it very, like very, very good. And I'm not articulating it well at all, but I, I came crashing right back down to earth the next day. <laughs> yeah. It was just nice to see someone who like, hopefully that this is like a new generation of politicians where they don't have to meet with their staff to ask what a Facebook is, you know, because right. so, you were it, like, if you think back to the other big kind of convergence of tech and politics, it was like those, those meetings that Facebook and Google had about mm -hmm. like, you know, are you destroying America? And they're like, uh, we run ads or like, and like how much those, those meetings centered on what Facebook was and them right. understanding that. I think even being able to start that conversation from like, okay, we, I know you're not going to, you know, pull the wool over us because we understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and seeing someone like uh, AOC, like in Congress, as someone who understands that stuff, and that this was like another outlet for that. Like she understands, uh, she understands like what is happening in tech uh, more so than a lot of politicians, and it, and in a way that feels more genuine than like if someone much older uh, were were to have done that. So that was nice to see that it's like in, there is some bit of comfort in in that. 
there was that headline. Well, there's lots of headlines with Rudy Giuliani in it right now, but there was that headline <laughs> saying that Rudy Giuliani owns three phones and doesn't know how to use any of them, according to like his staffers or something like that. And I think I saw it right after I was watching AOC stream and it was like, yeah, I think I'm tired of these kind of politicians. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of conversations happening right now about the age of our politicians. And, you know, I, I, I don't think age necessarily precludes anyone from anything. Um, but like, the average age of an American is like, I think like 37 or something. And the average age of our politicians is like 70 or whatever. Um, and you have, there's a big disconnect because technology evolves so rapidly that there's a lot of things that, that we can keep up with that, you know, mm -hmm. th they just can't. Um, and it's very discouraging when, when people feel that out of touch and you look at, like we were talking to Matt Padgett, who's Canadian. And we were like, are your politicians like 90? How old are, how old are the people who run your country? And he was like, I don't know, like 40. <laughs> we were like, oh no. Yeah. Okay, um, like 50. Well, I mean, Boris is in his fifties, but then like the rest of parliament are probably 60 plus. Yeah. And, um, and you know, another thing about the streaming platform to, or not streaming platform, but like, uh, format is that you do get to see how somebody reacts in an unfamiliar situation because you know she hadn't really played much among us and she adapted so quickly and when they were talking about like oh AOC doesn't know how to vent it couldn't have been AOC and then she was like I gotta learn how to vent because they won't suspect me and then she like figured it out watching her do the tasks like she was doing like the difficult tasks like in one go um very naturally and it, it's just nice to see someone adapting on the fly like that being comfortable in a new situation being comfortable like with experts like she's an expert in what she does and they're an expert in this thing that she's doing right now and she didn't seem intimidated um so I find all of those qualities really admirable and yeah I was just like over the moon I was like I I, for once, I don't want to move to another country. <laughs> That's nice. Lucy, did you watch it at all or did you just catch highlights? I just caught highlights. Uh, for me, I have a lot of anxiety around the election in general because as a person who is here on a visa and can't vote, it's, uh, yeah, it's very uh, anxiety inducing. But I did, I basically watched all the corpse highlights. <laughs> the, but no everything i saw from oc she just seemed really really wonderful and just like like callie was saying like someone who's relatable um in a position of power which is something that's quite rare yeah um just a quick aside on corpse um i the the thing is i hope that she looked up who he is well, he he's messaged her, or he he tweeted her like, if if AOC follows me back, you know, and she replied, so maybe. Basically, corpse corpse is basically just like a dude who reads um, like spooky stories and stuff on YouTube, but he has a really really deep voice <laughs> that is just like, I, I I it's captivating is the only word it, I could really describe it as. Even like when he joined the server, AOC like. Like you could see it in her face, she was like, "What is this man's voice?" Um, he joined TikTok, and all he like, did same girl. was he uploaded a video of his hand, and I don't even think he said anything. And TikTok just it exploded. I think it has like one point five million likes. That's it's it's ridiculous. just it's a song he wrote about e girls, and 
that's playing over the footage of his goth ass hand with like bracelets and rings and stuff and yeah people really lost it so that was an interesting twist an interesting wrinkle uh next big thing we have here is well i don't know if it's big but a lot of people are talking about it right now is tom holland uh is we, we finally got a photo of tom holland in the uncharted movie uh he's wearing a brown shirt i have not cared about this uncharted movie since like i don't know 2015 or whenever i don't don't know what's going on i didn't even know this happened (laughs) yeah they they're on like the second to last day of shooting um i didn't even realize it was in full production i guess i guess i heard that they were but it just seems so weird to me that people are even shooting things at all right now um Mm -hmm. i think the only movie who's shooting schedule i've been keeping up with it's been the batman just because of the chaotic energy of robert Pattinson. Uh, <laughs> um i mean honestly like i'll watch it but i feel like it's gonna be one of those movies where it'll be written by one person and then an ampersand with two people and then there'll be an and written all out so it's like just rewrites on rewrites on rewrites and like i find it very funny that Originally, Marky Mark was supposed to be Drake, and now he's playing Sully. Yeah, like, aged out of Drake, I guess. <laughs> this film has been in development. I don't, I don't know what like most of those words mean. I've never played an Uncharted, and I, I really, I just don't care. So you should play like uh, Lost Legacy because that is two badass bitches just searching for treasure. And actually having conversations, it it struck me when I played Lost Legacy, it was like the way that they have a conversation, it feels like an actual conversation that women would have and not a conversation that men feel like women would have. It's very good. Um, And also Claudia Black is phenomenal. Cyril, do you have any interest in this Uncharted movie? Uh, it's more, it's mostly more just to see what happens. Cause I, I'm actually like, I, I'm a pretty big Tom, Tom Holland fan, but so I'm curious to see how, what he brings to the role. Like it is being pitched as like, he, he's like a, a young Nathan Drake, right? This is supposed to be like an origin story kind of thing. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do. Um, and I'm like interested in seeing what Naughty Dog kind of like what their role is in, uh, this, because I feel like they're much more involved with the last of us show that hbo is producing which i think is still happening um so i'm wondering i'm curious about like what is the difference between like them working with a major studio about like okay here's what we like here's what you can kind of play fast and loose with and here's what we have to have in an uncharted movie and how when you know neil Druckmann, who i think he's more directly involved in the show the last of Us show i'm curious to see what the difference between those two things are because they are probably going to come out pretty close to each other maybe Mm -hmm. like a year or two apart um just to see what like the studio production is but it's weird to see you know um this come full circle is like here's a, a movie based on a game that isn't like in large part inspired by movies to see like okay does it actually capture the like the the magic of what like you know the anna jones movies or does it just feel completely different and than those movies just because of like something was lost in translation totally i i mean i i'm curious too about the last of us show right because i feel like wasn't that originally supposed to be a movie and neil Druckmann mm-hmm. had written the script a long time ago and then oh, we kind of yeah. didn't hear anything about it and then the last of us 2 happened and like didn't hear anything about it and then like what shortly before the last of us 2 came out 
they announced that they were doing an HBO series with The Last of Us. And then, yeah, yeah Craig, like you're if saying. Craig like, Metzen. Oh, dude. The guy who wrote Chernobyl. Oh, he's, yeah. He's doing The Last of Us show. So I am significantly more interested in that one. Yeah, yeah I mean, me too. I just like, I think part of what makes The Last of Us work, though, is the fact that you play it. Because I think mm-hmm. on paper, it's just the road, right? Like, it's it's not like particularly outstanding it, it's it's the interactivity that that makes it what it is so mm. i'm not i don't know yeah I'm, i actually i'm kind of curious to see like what people who don't play a lot of games but watch a lot of movies think about because this has always been like well there's always been like this weird um thing of like well this is good for a game but if it were a movie then i don't know if it would get as much of a pass story-wise so i'm wondering like with Neil Druckmann being more directly involved in the show is are people who are like more in line with like, I watch a lot of TV stuff and I know like, you know, good storytelling in TV shows, how that, how that would measure up uh, versus, you know, like to have that analogy be more direct, I think uh, it's going to be interesting. Before we move on to listener questions, GameSpot Extra Life. GameSpot staff will be doing our annual 72-hour stream of Palooza starting November 20th at 12 p.m. Pacific. We'll be streaming with various members of GameSpot staff and friends to help raise money for UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital. You can check out our Extra Life page at tiny.cc slash gsextralife2020. We will be updating it with more details such as a schedule closer to the event, but that's not all. This year, we want to get the community more involved. If you're interested in streaming, if you're interested in streaming yourself under the banner of Team GameSpot, you can join by visiting tiny.cc/gsextralifeteam. You can stream anytime you want during the month of November. We'll be coordinating with community streams in the Discord, so make sure to join if you haven't already. We look forward to making this extra life one of our best ones yet, with the help of all you wonderful folks. Once again, I had to read Jean-Luc's text because I knew I would forget something otherwise. <laughs> but if you're interested, feel free to DM myself or Lucy or Jean-Luc uh, on, or Tamor on, uh, on uh, what's it called? What's the social Twi- media site? Twi- Twitter. Twitter. Twitter, yeah, that Hellsite.com. one. Hellsite.com. Hellsite.com, and we will get you in there. Or you can just email uh, afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com, and I will send you a link and get you right in there. But yeah, with that, let's move on to listener questions. And we're back with listener questions. As I said before, if you have any questions, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our Discord. This first question here comes from Vitor on Discord. Callie, do you want to read this one? Yes. Okay, so question regarding the new game prices with games of next-gen going to be around $70 retail and here in Europe, sometimes as high as 75 euros. Do you think that this change is going to affect a lot of game sales numbers? From my perspective, it will just make me even more selective on the titles that I choose and regarding console versions, it seems that disc is still very viable is still a very viable option given the trading and reselling factor. What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, this price change just makes Game Pass look like an even better deal. Cheers, guys, and stay face. I don't know what stay face means, but thank thank you. I was thinking it meant him, him or they meant to say stay safe. Stay safe. Stay oh. face. But also, like I don't know, stay face. <laughs> I like mean, it's possible, your composure. Possible that I don't know that. What that, you know? It could be. I mean, could be some European slang. You know, could be. European I have to slang. do. I have to do a lot of translating on British slang, so. <laughs> Maybe this is just a new one. Um, 
disc is sort of a, va- a viable option into next gen if you buy a series x or a playstation 5 disc edition yeah i i yeah i would not call it very viable given that the more affordable options for both consoles are discless um i also don't think you really get a whole lot from trading in uh, a game or reselling it so like i wouldn't really bank on that i do think it does make game pass more attractive um yeah I was going to say, I think we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but our perspective on game prices is going to be a little skewed because oftentimes the biggest games like we were going to get advanced code for from the publisher, um, like in my case, like if I'm reviewing a game, like I'm not paying for that out of pocket. Um, So I do think like cost is always going to be a factor, like, and always has been for me. Like I, I've always been kind of selective about what I'm going to buy because you only have so much money to spend on games and also time. Um, but so like, I don't know if $70 versus $60 is like necessarily, I mean, $10 here and there can definitely add up, but I don't know if that's necessarily like the biggest thing. I, I do think that game passes is super attractive and I think we'll get even more so. Yeah, for someone in this like in this position, I, I still find myself buying a lot of full price games, whether that be on Steam or Xbox or PlayStation, usually digital. I I don't know if it'll change a lot. I think the biggest thing that will happen for me is that I'll probably think twice. Well, I usually think twice anyway about whether or not I should buy this game. Um unless it's something I'm very excited for, but I feel like I will probably do that more often because $70 like it's a reasonable, I'd say, amount to pay considering how expensive a lot of these triple games are. But that's still, I don't know, that's still 10 extra dollars that I will undoubtedly be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It, but but I think to your point, like I think games Game Pass is really going to succeed with this in mind just because you can just put, pay a flat fee per month. Well, hopefully a flat fee. And then you can access all these games and especially with all the acquisitions that Microsoft has been doing, it makes it even more attractive, right? Like, uh, like with uh, with Bethesda in particular. Like, even if Microsoft does end up putting those games on another console, which I doubt, but if they do, like, it's still like, oh, well, there's still seventy dollars now. Or if I had an Xbox, or I could just have Game Pass on my Xbox and I'd be able to play these games for much cheaper. Yeah, I I also think that there's a lot of potential for games kind of being further stratified, like uh, waiting until something is $60 is going to be like, Oh, I'm waiting for the first sale versus something for 50 and 40. So I'm curious to see how developers adapt. Like how often do we see games that are $70 and how often we see more games that are $40. Cause I think we're, we're seeing some of those games. I think like the, the crash collection was $40. I know Activision has been doing some kind of less than full price games. And I'm curious to see if developers kind of take advantage of, okay, well, like the budget games can now maybe charge $50 instead of 40 mm-hmm. and people will be more amenable to that. Uh, and then, but yeah, I think like game pass is going to be a thing where that's, it, it's smart of Microsoft to lean on that more now than ever uh, as you know, games get more expensive and, and it seems like that's where things are going to go. We'll see how this first round of $70 games goes, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's like, um, can it, I, I don't think it's going to change much about games. I think it's more about like compensating for, for kind of borrowed time because on the PS4 and Xbox one, it definitely felt like games should be more expensive, but they're not. So like they're kind of charging, you know, through other means like microtransactions mm-hmm. and stuff. So I'm curious um, 
I, I don't think it's going to be a huge change in terms of what we get out of the games, but I think it's, yeah, it's kind of them doing what they have to. Yeah. I mean, I think my biggest hope uh, going off what you said is that we just see more variety in game prices, you know, like, mm-hmm. and we, we are kind of seeing that too, right. With star Wars squadrons, which launched at 40 bucks. Uh, so I just, I, I hope we see more of that. Like I wouldn't mind paying $70 for a big triple a game. If maybe like a double a game, is a little bit less instead of hitting that standard $60, $70. Right. All right. Next question here is from Jarrett. Lucy, do you want to take this one? Sure. Uh, my significant other doesn't love the fact that I play video games. In fact, she sees them as a waste of time. Even though I've tried to show her games that can be educational like Brain Age and good for physical fitness like Ring Fit, she still looks at games with a bit of disdain. Any thoughts about how to show her that they can not only be good for building various skills, but also a great escape from reality? Oh, that's a tough that's one. It's a doozy, Jarrett. Because... <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is also another field where I, we feel a, a, maybe a little bit privileged in that you're able to justify it by saying like, oh, this is work. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing work yeah. by playing uh, too much Hades. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think maybe the best, the better pitch is less about like how it can benefit you as a human being and more about like, this is something that I, this is what I do instead of like watching movies. This is my hobby, right? Like I don't, you know, I don't, I can't really garden right now and I don't build model kits or whatever other hobbies people have. Uh, <laughs> I, I play, I play video games instead. Right. And that this is like my me time. Uh, I think that's maybe your best chance, um, for making that pitch. I mean. Well, I think if you're showing games like Brain Age and Ring Fit, why not explore something together so you can show your partner, you know, it's it's kind of difficult if you're just on the outside looking in, unless it's a really story-driven game or something super cinematic, like maybe like A Last of Us or an Uncharted or any other, you know, narrative-driven game where you can just kind of follow along and kind of... I don't know, explore the parallels between games as a kind of storytelling vehicle. If you're playing something together, something that's co-op and something that's kind of easy to get to grips with, they can maybe see, yeah, you can get the reinforcement that is kind of, you know, driving the, the brain juices to love gaming, you know? My, my thing is, (laughs) I, reading this question for me is just kind of like you know at at a certain point like if the person you're with doesn't respect your hobby like like I agree with Surreal that it's it's about like communicating like I don't think you need to get your partner to play games with you well I mean like I do think that's a good tactic if like that's something you really want to explore but I I think just generally like your partner should just respect what your hobbies are Mm -hmm. um and so that's what I get hung up on is yeah if your partner doesn't um doesn't have to like games doesn't have to understand games but should at least respect that you like to do that um i think that's the foundation for a good relationship this isn't a relationship advice show um but but that's (gasps) my main that's my that's my main takeaway from this question is just like yeah i don't necessarily have a recommendation for a game to show um that'll like magically cure this i think it's a communication um situation yeah I, I think you can also get into a bit of a trap if you're only showing them games like brain age and things like ring fit of having those be the only 
mm-hmm. relevant games in that discussion then because it's like well what is you know for example what is ghost of tsushima doing for you right and so you mm-hmm. start if you if you use those as the metric it kind of starts to skew it a little bit so you're, you're kind of having to justify every game by like how is it benefiting me as a human being which is sort of why i lean to it more is like yeah the, the fact that brain age is helpful and, and ring fit is as well helps but that shouldn't be like the only metric that makes a game useful or good you know yeah and i I don't think that every minute of your day needs to be productive i think it's totally valid to just be like i like it because i like it and i want to i want to do this and i don't care if it doesn't uh provide me with anything i like Mm -hmm. i do think uh, I'll, i'll use a video game example actually like in the sims like one of the meters you have to watch is fun um mm-hmm. and like doing like watching tv or whatever in the sims like doesn't give your sim anything unless you're watching the cooking channel but it doesn't increase your fun if you do that um it, it you know it, it just spending time the way you want to spend time is an entirely valid reason you don't have to justify it further in my opinion right. yeah yeah and, and i mean i think if you really want to like show off games to your significant other maybe going down the artistic path could be good like because because i i think of a game like uh gree greece gree mm-hmm. i don't know, i never learned how to pronounce that game but that that game was gorgeous and i and i feel like even if you're not super into games it's hard not to look at that and have some sort of sense of wonder yeah uh or, or maybe even like ori is is another beautiful game uh but i i think all in all yeah i definitely agree with what callie and surreal are saying about about like just pitch it more as like this is kind of what I do to blow off steam, to relax, to to recoup after a long day or whatever it might be, because because that that seems totally reasonable. Yeah, I think as well. If your partner is saying that they see games as a waste of time, maybe there's an undercurrent there of it's time not spent with me. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was suggesting like the trying to involve them. But I agree with point. like I agree with Callie that, that like you shouldn't like. Your partner shouldn't be shitting on your hobbies. I that's that, not cool. That's not a grown up thing to do. You're allowed your own hobbies. Yeah, I, that, I think that's a very good point, though. Is like it might just be a veiled way of being like, I want to spend more time together. Um, but in that case, like you could meet, like you meet in the middle and figure out what their hobbies are. I don't know. I I haven't had this problem really with like my family or anything. I've I've never dated anyone who didn't play video games and like my parents play video games, so I like I have that advantage, but I do think like yeah, it's a communication. I would just talk to your partner. Well, anyway, that's been episode 64 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for listening and thank you guys for joining me this week. Uh if you have any questions, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast@gamespot.com and with that Lucy, where can people find you and what are you working on this week? I'm on Twitter at Lucy James Games. Uh, this week, uh, Generation Next, we are talking with Michael Heim once again now that his uh, Series X embargo is fully up. So we're putting your questions to him. That should be up right now. Um, Jake, you, John Luke, and I uh, ran through some listener questions and viewer questions on Cyberpunk 2077. So that should also be up. Uh, and other than that, I'm dealing with my visa. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> Kelly, how about you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at InkyDojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O, where you can see all the puzzles I'm doing. 
Um, Dude, that puzzle. That puzzle is insane. Yeah, that, Jesus. That is so, yeah. I didn't think it would take a, a lot of people really reacted to that puzzle. My, I did it with my mom and we just, it, we worked on it for like two months or something. Um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm working on some phasmophobia stuff just to help out. Um, and then uh, I'll be checking out Crown Tundra DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, so hopefully like I'll have some, some more like, you know, guide stuff and other, you know, I do reviews. So planning a review for that. Um, yeah. And Serio. Yeah, you can uh, find me at twitter.com slash Surreal Vasquez, S-U-R-I-E-L. And I think auto, autocomplete will will do the rest, hopefully, at that point. Uh, but uh, I'm also on, you know, uh, MinMax with two N's, by the way, I should I should mention. It's M-I-N-N-M-A-X. Uh, so you can find me there on Patreon and on YouTube. Uh, we're doing an anniversary stream because it's the one-year anniversary uh, of MinMax, uh, I want to say this Saturday. And then uh, if you're looking for more Extra Life ahead of GameSpots, we have our own uh, Extra Life stream the week, I think one or two weeks before, I think November 7th. So if you're looking to, to watch all the Extra Life streams, we're also doing one of those. Um, and I think that's everything. Is, is it I, Min like Minnesota? Is that why? Yes. Went? Yeah. That oh, makes sense. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I have spelt MinMax like in a game with two N's because mm-hmm. of MinMax. Oh, really? I've done it multiple <laughs> times. And I think, I think, Editors and including Callie have even like corrected and be like, no, oh. like, I know this, but I don't, I just, my fingers um, do things. <laughs> that I, is, that is a compliment and I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> I also want to shout out Suriel's Hades review. It was excellent. We mm-hmm. all really enjoyed it. So if you haven't read it, definitely Thank read you. it. If you want to, if the podcast didn't convince you to play Hades after hearing how many days Suriel's played Hades, definitely read his review. And you can find me at Jacob Deck, and I'm working on a phasmophobia guide, which hopefully will be up by the time this podcast goes up, but it is considerably longer than I expected. And then, like Lucy said, there's cyberpunk stuff. Uh, I think Jean-Luc should have another cyberpunk lore video up soon. I don't know. I think this weekend. I think it's this weekend. I think we're putting the Q&A up first and then lore uh, Cyber Saturdays. Yeah, normally they go up Saturdays. We don't call but... it that. We don't call it that. <laughs> <laughs> normally they go up Saturdays, but this one has been particularly tough because A, this has been this week has been madness, and B, the topic he's covering, there's not a lot of B-roll or anything to go off of. So it's uh it's been it's been a long edit. I don't envy him at all. But with that, I'll see y'all next week.